Welcome to episode 214 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. We had a big snowstorm on Wednesday and Thursday this week, Shane. Yeah, and I, I saw some uh, tweets sent out that we had snow on the, like a big snowfall on the exact same day 12 months ago. I don't, yep. yeah, only this, like this year was a lot more snow, I think, if I'm. If I'm not uh, mistaken, uh, like yeah, we got I, close to, I, I heard 21 inches, but, um, you know, all of, our, all of the winter snow had melted and I have just as much snow now in my backyard again, after this one, <laughs> this one storm. Oh yeah. This has been, yeah, this has been brutal. I, I was thinking, man, we, we, we usually don't get snow this late. And then, um, my wife's friend sent her a text with a photo of her deck from last year and. Her deck from last year had a lot of snow, fresh snow down, but I think it had been warmer last year. So it melted off quicker. And this mm-hmm. year, I think the ground had, um, was still frozen. <laughs> so it's going to stick around for a little while, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It was nice to have all of the melting done, but oh, well, um, you know, we still have a, a couple of weeks until new moon. So hopefully all the snow has gone by then and we can do some dark sky observing. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. So today, today's kind of a special day, isn't it? Is this the one you're like, is this our anniversary, Chris? It is. How could you forget? Yeah, no, it and, is. And by ours, it, it's the actual astronomy anniversary. Yes. Birth, birthday maybe is a better, birthday. better term. Yes. Yeah. That's two years old, right? Two years. Yes. Starting to talk. Yeah. Good stuff or whatever babies do at two years. <laughs> yeah. Do astronomy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of neat. I, I've kind of, well, I forgot about that a little bit. I knew, I remembered that about a week ago and then. Yeah, I got sidetracked. Yeah, I think we put out our first one on, I think it will pretty be pretty close, within a few days anyway, mm-hmm. of uh, you know of when this podcast goes live. So yeah, two, we're going into our third year. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, no signs of stopping. No signs of stopping. Just lots of snow. And it's Easter today. Happy Easter. Oh, yeah. I guess that too. Happy Easter, sir. Yeah, you didn't get up and hide eggs for your dog, or chocolate eggs. For your dog. Mm, I did get up pretty early with the dog today. I'm I'm not too thrilled with her at the moment, but yeah, she, she is the the boss of the household. So whatever she says, that's what we do. Yeah, she was she was pretty talky there uh, before we started recording. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's excited to to talk to you. I guess pretty big, uh, pretty big racket. We should get her on one day and uh, have her do that. <laughs> she, she might be more entertaining than us. I don't know. Yeah, yeah prob- probably, probably. So did you get your tripod out this week? Uh, no, um, no. Showed it off yesterday when the family came over for, for an Easter meal, but, um, nope there. I don't know if we had any clear skies last week at any point, uh, maybe during the day. I, I don't I can't think remember. So. It was, it was a rough week. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, the forecast is not looking great either. There's a, there's a small window tomorrow night, maybe like yeah. during kind of evening twilight, but um, no, no tripod out, no observing. The only thing I can report on is um, I, I finally acquired the ultimate folding hammock uh, to take <laughs> camping with us. So <laughs> I can't wait to see this thing. Yeah, this, so the, got it from Costco. It's a, I think it's like a Mac Sports uh, portable folding hammock. So, like the frame, it, it's like a camping chair. You know how they just sort of like co- kind of collapse on itself, and, yeah. and that's exactly this thing. You set it up in, well, I'd say like two minutes. It, it, 
it's super quick. Um, it has a sunshade over top, which is important for where we like to camp. Oh, this sounds very posh, posh. <laughs> yeah. So this is, you know, short of spending, uh, you know, a lot of money on a, a camper with like air conditioning to nap in. This is the last ditch attempt at coming up with a solution that will allow us to, or allow me anyway. Yeah, I'm not getting <laughs> I'm in not there sharing this thing. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but allow me to have a nap while we're camping in Grasslands National Park because tents are too hot to sleep in yeah. during the daytime. Yeah, throw a, you know, throw, throw a bunch of ice cubes in the bottom of that thing and you won't know the difference. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. So excited for that, but that's about as much... Uh, astronomy related news is, is I can report at this time. Yeah. I bought a book on, let's see. I bought a book on Thursday and it came on Saturday on, uh, it's like the Hicks book on building observatories. Oh. Yeah. It's a building, a roll off or dome. I think is what it's called. I'm just Googling that here now. Yeah. It's called uh, building a roll off roof or dome observatory because, uh, yeah, I'd perhaps like to have one someday, although I feel like that day is getting further and further pushed into the future. But yeah, the one by uh, John John Hicks, which I've seen, I have like the old copy or read the old copy into like digital PDF format, but uh, I always like having the original article and be able to like sit down properly and go through it. I don't like reading books on, on my computer that much, so I'd rather just, you know, have, have the book and, and give it... Uh, give it a read. So yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Looking around at, at some of what my options might be as you and I've sort of been lightly discussing before the show. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is going to be an interesting process. I'm, I'm going to ride shotgun with you and, <laughs> and probably learn along the way and see what you end up with. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It, it would be, yeah, this, this would be a, a fairly long process. So, um, just to kind of make sure that, you know, kind of get something that'll, that'll work might take some experimenting, um, you know, this year. And, you know, I, like I was saying, originally I kind of hope maybe to get something up this year, but I think that's not happening. I think it's probably going to be like a next year kind of thing already. It's like, how long can this be delayed? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe after this, you can, you can start a business similar to what uh, Mark Radici was telling us about uh, over in the UK. Those, like the, those guys that just go around the countryside building uh, observatories for people. Um, you know, maybe that's your your true calling in life. I don't Chris. think so. Yeah, boy, I am not a construction person. This is yeah, yeah. I'm the last person you want building anything for you um, that you were gonna like, especially anything that that was gonna be over top of your head. I think that's yeah. Roll off roof. Yeah. It's going to, it, that roof is going to come off. I don't know where it's going, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, I, I, like I remember when the pods came out and you had a pod for a while and yeah. I remember going out and, uh, and, you know, uh, as, as I knew people who were getting those and trying those out, I kind of thought, huh, I don't think this is going to be for me because my, uh, my refractors are a little bit too big for that. Um, and I hope to get maybe a slightly larger refractor, a slightly different telescope and, yeah, I mean, you, you've had the pod, and I know you you end up selling it uh, for a variety of reasons, and trying to trying to make sure I don't uh, uh, have any of those uh, similar challenges, you know. And you know, I've been out to a lot of people's different observatories, and um, the one thing I've learned in going to people's observatories is they're so highly customized, right? Like, yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, you really need to, to give it a, a long, long think. And, uh, yeah, now that I have piece of land and, um, yeah, kind of thinking through, um, you know, what's going to work there and, you know, how, how it's going to fit into that piece of land and, you know, um, meet, uh, meet, meet the requirements that I want, you know, then, uh, yeah, which, which isn't too crazy, you know, just like to be able to put up my, uh, you know, my telescopes I already own and, and maybe, you know, at some point have slightly larger telescope, but, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, you think it's, it's like a simple, easy thing, but, you know, looking at some of the options that are out there are pretty wild, like the sky shed, I've never been in a sky shed. Have you been in an actual sky shed, not the pod, but the actual sky shed roll-offs? No, I haven't. No, I've never been in one of those either, but you know, I've been in some of the other buildings, like for the, I've been some of the Explorer domes, I think they are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I know somebody who has one of those just not too far from my folks place and been in that a few times and, uh, man, they're just such substantial buildings and have a little bit of a concern about a building that would be like that, like that substantial, just because I feel like it's a little bit of overkill for, uh, you know, really what we're doing is, is housing a telescope, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the design, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not really meant to be too much more than that. So yeah, like I looking at stuff online and just some of the structures people build, uh, it just seems, uh, like a, like a bit, uh, yeah, a bit, a bit overkill. And like you and I were talking about the peers, you know, and you see all kinds of examples where people pour like thousand pound peers into the ground, which just, just seems way, way too much for what, uh, for what we're, we're looking to do. Eh? <laughs> yeah. If you're just visual, uh, astronomy, um, then, you know, having a super elaborate peer isn't quite as important because the accuracy or the stability um, isn't, uh, you know, a deal breaker for us. You know, if you're yeah. doing astrophotography, totally different. And I, you know, I get the attention to, uh, you know, sort of the detail and the quality needed there, but yeah, visual, yeah. you can, you can come, you, you can get away with a, a lot less and, and still be quite satisfied. Um, yeah. you know, when, when I had the sky shed pod, um, like, you know, you kind of reference the size of it and, and they certainly are limiting. Um, you know, the, the biggest telescope that I had in there was my 120 millimeter, uh, ED refractor, which is 900 millimeter focal length. And I wouldn't want anything larger than that in there. Yeah. Um, you, you could go larger aperture, but you can't, I, I don't think I would go any longer of a focal length and, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially like on an EQ mount, because you end up with some really, weird angles, like the, where the eyepiece ends up sometimes was, was quite uncomfortable with such a long telescope. Yeah. Um, now the ultimate is like those, uh, adjustable height peers that have like, oh, like a little the peer tech ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can, I don't know what their range of uh, motion or movement is, but you know, to, to be able to raise it up 12 inches just so that it's all, you know, that the eyepiece then is always at a, a comfortable height would be quite nice, but yeah, um, you know, you pay for all of those bells and whistles, so I'm not sure what it's worth, but I, I'm guessing it's not, uh, you know, it's not a cheap investment. Yeah. And I kind of think that like, if you have a, have a sky shed pod, something like that is definitely going to be higher up on the want list. So I'm hoping to, not have to go that route because I think probably for the cost of a pure tech, uh, hopefully I can get uh, basically a giant wooden box to put a telescope in, you know, that mm-hmm. has enough room that I can maneuver around it with my observing chair that I can raise and lower. So anyway, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll figure it out at some point. Um, you know, the, the, I think obviously the real appealing aspect of the sky shed pods is you put down your base, whether it's a deck or whatever it is, and then you have an observatory, uh, like once, once you have the base down, you put the sky shed pod up in probably 30 minutes and you have an observatory, yeah. um, which will protect everything. So, you know, that certainly is appealing, but, um, uh, the regular sized one, which is an eight foot in diameter is limiting. Now there's the XL, I think they call it, or the max, and it's like 10 or 12 feet in diameter. It's much larger. Yeah. Aren't something they like, like 50 oh, grand or something. Oh, like, maybe. Yeah. I've never looked into the price. Um, yeah. I'm sure they're expensive. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, that's not happening either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll get it get it sorted out. It's it's really neat just to look at all the different examples of. I was looking at this one. It was pretty cool. That you know the roof rolls off and and this uh, this person built uh, built a roll off. And to aid in the roll off process, they put it almost looks like a captain's wheel from like an old timey sailing ship on the side of it. And they must go in and like unlock it, and then they can kind of rotate the wheel, and that it's connected to some pulleys and that sort of thing. I just thought that was just like a really cool looking uh, design. I thought, man, if you could get like an old porthole and stick above the wheel, like <laughs> it would just look like an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing. Um, but yeah, the, the person did, did an awesome, awesome job. So yeah, there's some really, really neat stuff out there. But again, like it gets so, you know, so customized that uh, yeah, you really need something that works. Like I've been down to uh, Mark Bratton's, which is an A-frame. And it has this tiny little door. Mark's like a really tall and, um, you know, he's got to go through this really tiny door. And I remember when I saw his observatory, I'm like, how is this guy going to get through that door? It just looks like, like one of those crawl space doors sometimes you see under people's stairs. And, uh, you know, he goes in and it's probably seven or eight feet tall at the peak. But, you know, the, it, it's only maybe eight or 10 feet wide at the bottom. And, you know, the, the angle of the roof is super steep. Um, I might not have my measurements straight. It might even be taller than eight feet for all I know, but there's just like this narrow, narrow area that you can stand up in and then kind of pushes it out on rails in one direction and then in the other direction. And then you kind of step up into this platform in the middle and it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, it's a really neat observatory. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, whoa, you know, when you start seeing what, what people have and, what they've designed. So new guy in Ontario had one of those like uh, plastic sheds and he had turned one of those into like a removable roof type observatory. I always thought that was pretty cool, but uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah I've got some emails. Maybe we'll read a couple of emails. Yeah. Maybe just before we get into oh, yeah. that, uh, I was going to pick your brain on uh, ethos uh, eyepiece. Um, have you ever looked through the 3.7 millimeter? Yep. And what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean they're they're awesome eyepieces. It's just I can't use my glasses with them, so I found that uh, because of my stigmatism, I don't, you know, I, I I lose a lot of the sharpness that the Ethos are famous for. So, you know, it's kind of like I'm not getting their full full benefit. But yeah, they're they're beautiful eyepieces. And if I put my eyeglasses on, then I get like a seventy odd degree field of view. Um, so yeah, I might as well yeah. get a 70 odd degree field of view eyepiece, like a Pentax or a Nikon or a Morpheus or whatever. But, uh, yeah. What are you thinking about there for the ethos? 
Well, I've never really looked into them. Like I've, I've looked through some ethos, uh, when they first came out, uh, it was with a, a Schmidt Cassegrain and yeah, you know, the very expansive field of view, you know, very sharp, as you said, um, and 15 millimeters of eye relief is actually not too bad. No. Um, and, and but it's, it's not like regular 15 millimeters of eye relief. If you ask me, it's like, like it's there, but you kind of have to scoop into it a little bit more because mm-hmm. I've used eye pieces that have 15 millimeters of eye relief, um, with my glasses and I've been okay. But with the ethos, I, I wasn't, you know, and I was, I was so excited when they came out and I remember, uh, Tom Truscott had the 13 millimeter when it came out. And, uh, I think like the Teleview Genesis, um, or the Tel Aviv 101, one or the other. Anyway, the Petzl. And he uh, he had it there at Starfest in Ontario. And I and I went hoping that I'd be able to look through it. I was able to observe with him and, uh, and spend some time with that eyepiece. And it was awesome. But I knew right then, it was like one of those things I looked in with my glasses on, took my glasses off, and I'm like, it's not going to work. And then after that, I've known all kinds of people that have them. Uh, Rick has the 17, had friends that have had a variety of uh, 21s through, you know, the, the eight and all kinds of different ones. And it's all kind of the same thing to me. And they're always like disappointed in me that I'm not like super excited about them. I'm like, yeah, I don't see the full fields. So it doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. Yeah. The 3.7 is always, um, has always appealed to me, you know, with a 110 degrees and, uh, you, you know, we, we, like to me, the, the wide field eyepieces are really beneficial when you're cranking up the power, you know, with, with our mounts anyway, that are untracked. Mm. So, uh, like a 3.7, uh, with the focal lengths that I have, you know, gives me around 150 times for uh, a lot of the telescopes that I like to use anyway. Yeah. And, um, I don't know, it's always appealed to me. Uh, so it's, it's not a need by any stretch, but, uh, I don't know, just something that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Want me to tell a terrible story about the 3.7? I shouldn't tell this story. Yeah. Well, now now you have to. (laughs) (laughs) So I was observing with somebody and, uh, and this was the 3.7 I, I looked through and, um, it was, so I was, I was working quite a bit and it was late and I, I can't remember what I was working on, but, uh, this, this guy had joined the, the club and wanted to go do some observing. And, uh, I didn't really know who he was or anything. So we went out and he had, he had like the full set of ethos eyepieces. I think he had gone out and like, just bought them all. And I was like, Whoa, like I've never like, you know, and so we, I think we were putting them in my, um, in my, uh, Pentax five inch. And I think he had, he had gone and bought some scope, but I can't remember if he brought, bought, brought a scope with him or what, but I remember he had all these eyepieces in the back of his car. And I forget why, but somehow I think I recommended, <laughs> I didn't know this, that he take off like the one and a quarter adapter, or he, maybe he asked if you could take it off. And I said, yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know. And he, <laughs> He unscrewed it. All the elements fell out. <laughs> oh, when he took the adapter off, like <laughs> the took, whole. It wasn't an adapter. Like they're, they're one and a quarter, two inch eye pieces. 
Yeah. And, and I didn't know this, but, um, cause like with my, with my doctor, which I didn't have at the time, but I've had other eye pieces and it's not as easy to like dismantle them. And I don't know, like I didn't do it. He just asked if he could take it off. If he could take the one, a quarter inch adapter off. Like I said, it was dark and I was tired and maybe that's what I was thinking of. Then I'm, oh yeah, you can just, just take the adapter off. And, and he unthreaded it. And I remember all the elements just like we had to like, <laughs> like, I remember there's like a ball lens in there. And I remember like, Oh, there's a big, perfectly circular lens in there. It was like a half moon kind of thing. I remember I've seen all the elements in the, they just like slid like right out. Just like, couldn't believe it. Just like butter. Right. And I was like, holy crap. So we like put them all back in and seemed fine, but I'll never forget that. I always felt super bad. Like I said, I was, I was overtired and wasn't really concentrating and just kind of overwhelmed that he had all these eyepieces too. He just kind of showed up and, uh, and, and, and to be frank, being, I don't think he does astronomy to anymore and, uh, and didn't, didn't really know much about eyepieces or anything. Just, you know, had read online that the ethos eyepieces were the best. So he bought the full set. And that was, uh, that was that. Yeah. It was pretty wild. That's a big investment. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like brand, all brand new and had, had them in like a Teleview case and had bought like one of those uh, gray foam cases. And uh, yeah, I remember, yeah, he said, can I take the one to quarter inch adapter off? And I said, yeah, sure. I don't see why not. And next thing I know, before I could really think it through properly, he blew the adapter, the, the thing. And I couldn't believe how easy it you know, I would have thought that if they didn't want that unscrewing it, it would have like Loctite on it or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Like my, like my, uh, like my doctor, like, which is a similar design has like the two inch barrel and then it has a one a quarter inch um, barrel sort of inside of that. But like, there's no inkling that you could ever unscrew that. I mean, maybe you can or whatever. And it's not like we had tools or anything. He just like, grabbed the end of it and gave it a twist. So I was like, this is just going to, you know, it must be designed for that. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't even remember why we were trying to do that. I, I I don't know. Like I said, it was, it was late and I was tired, but anyway, that was a bit of a gaffe. So we've all made them and wasn't my eyepiece. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, the good thing with Teleview, like if you're into Teleview eyepieces is, you know, you, you can often, like, if you make a mistake like that, you can send, you can send it back to Teleview, um, and they like they'll take it apart, they'll clean it, they'll put it back together, and and kind of get it back to an operational state. It's not yeah. free, but they'll service it for you. Um, and that's uh, I don't know if any of the other eyepiece manufacturers really do that. So you know that is one of the nice things with Teleview. Yeah, I've heard that as well, and yeah, that definitely is uh, is a benefit of of going with them amongst uh, other things. You know, they're they're great eyepieces. Those ones just. They don't work uh, work as well for me. You know, the one that I'm a little bit more interested in is, and a lot of the uh, different uh, retailers uh, sell them, is there's like a four and a half or 4.7, 110. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've read a lot of great um, reviews of, of that eyepiece. I think, I think Stellarview has one. I think Astrotech has one sold by... Um, Astronomics, uh, APM has one. I think it's all more or less the same eyepiece, just with different branding. But uh, that that eyepiece gets universally good reviews, and and it it doesn't break the bank either. That would be one that I would be a little bit more uh, keen to get, perhaps, uh, consi- especially considering I don't quite get the full benefit. But 
you know, you think about, well, if I don't quite get the full field of view and it's not the full sort of full ethos price, then that wouldn't be as bad. Yeah. Yeah. A little easier to rationalize that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to get one? Gonna get uh, I don't ethos know. 3.7. I'm really hoping to find a Takahashi TSA 102. So I'll probably hang tight and wait for one of those to appear. Oh, like the four inch, uh, Yeah. Um, what really appeals to me about that is, uh, the, like the way the, just the way it's designed is I can use my bino viewer natively in that four inch telescope. And this is, this is my new mission in life is to get you know, a four inch that I can use the bino viewer natively with. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost purchased that Borg 107 uh, FL that yep. was on Astromart, but the individual that was selling it <clears throat> uh, did a bunch of calculations for me because I told told them what I wanted to use or how I wanted to use it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, it, like I would not. I, I would have to use a my prism uh, on that telescope in order to have a short enough light path uh, that would allow me to use the binocular viewer natively. Hmm. But a prism on a what is that like a f five point six telescope? The prism will often introduce some extra color, and yeah. you want to use a mirror diagonal with a faster telescope. Um, and then if I was to use my teleview uh, mirror diagonal. Uh, the light path would be too long and, you know, I'm not really achieving my goal of native bino viewer usage. Um, but Bill Paoloni has a TSA 102 and he did a review of my bino viewer and it works natively. So I have like proof, <laughs> you know, that this path will work for me. I just have to find one. Now the, the issue of course, is the TSA 102 is no longer made and is regarded by many as one of the finest, if not the finest four inch uh, ever made. Um, so most people that have them aren't looking to sell them. Um, so I've had a, a want ad out there for a little while, but no hits yet. So I, I will bide my time and see if one shows. Could, could be a while. So let's, is it a triplet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a triplet. The, the other thing too. So I was a little concerned about the cooling time. Um, which you and I have discussed on, you know, on previous episodes here and there. Um, so it would have been a good name for the podcast. Speaking of the podcast and our anniversary, we should have called it the cooling time. That would have been good. Never yeah. 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 Listen to <laughs> us while you're waiting for your telescope to acclimatize. Um, someone can so, use that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we won't charge you. Um, so Bill Paoloni, he says that his TSA 102 cools in about 20 minutes. Mm. Um, but I know Bill doesn't live at a latitude of 50 degrees North. Um, so Tyson, uh, Tyson M who was, who was a frequent poster on cloudy nights. Uh, he lives just in our neighboring province. So he's a little further North than us, but basically the same climate for the most part, he had a TSA one Oh two for quite a while. Uh, so I emailed him just to see what cooling time was like. And he said, like, if it was a big swing about 45 minutes and, um, Mm. that's not that bad. Like when I'm observing, that's usually my cool down time right now with just simple doublets. So, um, you know, it's certainly not out of the realm of, of doable. Like it wouldn't really change my observing habits. Um, it would definitely be a little heavier, but I think it might still be lighter than my Teleview Genesis SDF. So, mm. um, again, it's, it's not going to require new mounts or new anything. I just, I just need to find one and, and then I'll be happy. Then you'll be happy. Huh? 
Yeah. Well, I'm happy right now, Chris. I'm always happy. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love to compare that scope with my uh, DC 100 because, yeah, just you know, and I I know, and we had a we had a listener Peter who recently bought a hundred millimeter DZ or yeah. DZ, however you want to yeah. say it, and mine is the the older DC. Um, and, uh, boy, like, I just couldn't imagine the views on the planets getting any better. Like I just, it, it would be difficult to believe, you know, it's one of those situations where like, when you're looking at, at Mars during opposition with the DC and you're running at 300 and whatever power, 340 power or 330 power, whatever it is that, that I can hit with the, uh, three and a half millimeter Pentax in a 1.6 Barlow. I mean, that just seems ridiculous, but the telescope just did it like it was meant to do it. I, it's meant to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would just love to compare it with the, uh, with the TSA 102 uh, simply because, uh, you know, I've, I've also read such great things about the, about the TSA. And uh, it would just be, it would be interesting to see how subtle those differences are. I mean, they would have to be subtle because I just couldn't imagine it, it being a whole heck of a lot better with the, uh, with the DC yeah, I, I don't think it would change your your whole perspective. But what I've read is the the Takahashi DL and the DZ are noticeably better than like the DC and the DF. But by noticeably, it's subtle, very subtle. And if yeah. you have a DC or a DF, it's not really worth the upgrade. Um, yeah. But if you are getting into the four inch game, then you know those are the ones to consider if you really want you know, peak performance, but yeah, you know what, side by side, I'm guessing we wouldn't really notice a difference. Um, but who knows? You never know until you do try it. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be cool. Um, yeah. And I've had no inclination. I had no inclination for the DZ after I, after I got my, uh, DC, um, yeah, just such a neat little scope. I think the other thing is, is that the DC is so tiny compared to everything else. Like it's such a tiny little telescope that's still four inches. And I really like that aspect of it too. It's, uh, it's really like the size it's, I think it's the same size as my 80 millimeter doublet that I had. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a four inch though. So it feels like an 80, but it's a, it's a four inch telescope and, uh, yeah, it can really handle those high, high powers. You know, you really feel like you've, you know, you've got a pretty serious piece of gear in your hand. So, yeah, but I'd love to, look through the TSAs. I think, don't they still make a TSA 120? They might. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they do make the 120. Well, there you go. There's, the uh, no. you. <laughs> you know, there, there's a really good, um, somebody just posted on cloudy nights. He, he just received a, uh, the stellar view SVX D one twenty seven. So that's the new yeah. high end stellar view doublet. And, uh, he had a picture of it beside his tack. I don't know. It's one of the one hundreds. Um, I think it's, I can't remember right? DC or DF, I think is what he had. Um, and, and like the size difference is substantial and, and he commented on it. He's like, I knew I was getting, you know, a much larger diameter telescope, but, um, I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't fully prepared for how much larger it really is. Um, so yeah, there's a significant difference in, in size, um, and definitely cost <laughs> with the TSA 120. Um, and then the other thing too, I think with the 120, my assumption is that it would take a little longer to cool. Um, I'm okay with 45 minutes, but if I'm starting to have to, you know, hit that hour or more 
yeah. you know, in order to get the thing to cool down, that just doesn't work here. You know, that's, uh, that, that's one of my early frustrations from the big Dobbs. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I think I'll stay, you know, searching for the one Oh two and hopefully I can find one, but this, this could easily be like a two or three year search uh, yeah. before one shows up. So I'm not, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not, you know, expecting one for this observing season, but who knows, maybe I'll get lucky. Yeah. It's one thing I noticed and it's one thing, uh, that led me to getting the hundred millimeter tack. Um, like since I don't have an observatory, um, is that my five inch, uh, apocromat, which is, which is only a few pounds heavier, just a few pounds more steel and glass. And, uh, the cool down on that was significantly longer than the, the tack, uh, 100. So the tack 100, it's, it's basically cooled down out of the out of the gate. By the time you've, you've got it up and mounted and got all your stuff ready to go, it's pretty much cooled down. Um, so in that respect, so it works just like the very smallest of telescopes, you know, it, 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 it can't take more than 15 or 20 minutes to cool. It just cools super, super quick. Whereas the, uh, the Pentax slash Borg, uh, five inch really it's, it's tiptoeing up to that hour, you know, like you were saying, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit on the long side if if you don't have a permanently mounted. So yeah, it would be great to get that uh, permanently mounted somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. even even for a smaller, even for a smaller mass telescope like that, which is around say ten pounds plus or minus a pound. So yeah, right on. Cool, cool. Do you want to read this? Uh, Bill has a yeah. setup for. Uh, he was doing some solar there. You're the solar person. Do you want to read it? Yeah, for sure. So Bill's been on the podcast before and he said, Hey guys, I imagine the observing isn't the best right now. Uh, sucks. It sucks. <laughs> so yeah, he messaged us kind of in the middle of that snowstorm or just after the snowstorm hit us. Uh, so Bill goes on to say, uh, I've recent or so recently I've been doing some host cleanup for friends and he gifted me all of his astronomy gear as payment. Uh, almost all of it I've passed on to the school observatory where I volunteer. Uh, it's also the place where I first met this man and where we observed and he imaged for many years. Uh, in the gear was a very nice F6.25 80 millimeter Skywatcher Apo, uh, which I decided to keep as it's way better than the old William Optics ED80 I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I heard you, Shane, again mention you paired uh, on one mount an H alpha and white light combo. Uh, then I started to think about the box of rings and rails I'd left at the observatory. Uh, one set of rings was for that Apo as it had piggybacked on an eight inch, uh, Richie Kretchen. Uh, so on Monday night, I cobbled together my PST to the back of the 80 millimeter and mounted it to the old crutch tripod I built a decade ago. Uh, the Alt-As head was welded for me by my son when he was in high school. The mount is solid. It took very little adjustment to get them both lined up perfectly. Uh, the look of them reminds me of when they used to transport the space shuttle on a 747. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hope the snow melts again soon, Bill. Um, and his, his analogy of the, the space shuttle on top of the 747 was, was awesome because yeah, yeah. The, the 80 millimeter telescope was attached to the mount. And then on top of the 80 millimeter was the, like, what is the PST? It's like a 30 to 40 millimeter, uh, hydrogen alpha telescope for the sun. Yeah. And, uh, so it was really cool. You know, he had the white light, uh, there and then the, the PST there as well for H alpha. So I'm sure that'll be a, a real fun setup for Bill. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I remember, 
you know, I don't do a lot of solar observing, but during the uh, transit of Venus there in 2012, 10 years ago now, um, I remember I had my, uh, my solar filter on my just, you know, just white light on my refractor. And then somebody had a pretty decent size, like, like one of the bigger, um, hydrogen alpha telescopes. And, uh, they were set up like 10 or 15 feet away from me. So I was just like running back. I just put wore a path in the, in the grass in front of the science center, going back and forth between the two. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, what we're able to see. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that, that is really, really a neat, uh, neat way to run. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And great timing. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the sun is starting to show a lot of activity and, uh, that'll continue here for the next, uh, couple of years, at least where there will be good activity to observe. So if you've ever thought about getting into solar observing now would be a great time because, uh, you're going to get a lot of use out of, uh, either a white light filter or hydrogen alpha. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll read the next one. Are you yep. good if I, yeah, go for okay. It. Yeah. Austin sent us a note here. He says, uh, hi, Chris and Shane. Uh, I've got a William Optics uh, ZS seventy one Zen. I guess are those Zenith Star? Is that what that is? A William Optics yeah, Zenith yeah, that's a Zenith Star. Yeah, okay. on a ES Explorer Scientific Twilight One, I'm having balance issues when using heavy eyepieces because I can't slide the dovetail any further forward in the small mounting bracket. If I remember correctly, one of you mentioned something similar in a recent episode. Uh, but now I can't find it help. And <laughs> I, I thought this was great. And, and you replied because you, you've, you know, finangled something up and I've seen a few people do this before. And uh, yeah. So what, what is the solution when you have a small telescope, like whether it's, you know, like a 60 millimeter or 50 millimeter or a 70 millimeter, 80 millimeter short tube, what happens is that typically you have your, your, um, your rail, um, that fits in your mount and the heavier the eyepiece you put in the back end of it, the further up that rail, you have to slide it. And what happens is um, if you put something like a big Teleview 31 or one of the other really big eyepieces in the, in the back end of it, you eventually can't slide it up anymore and you run out of rail. Right. Mm -hmm, so just, mm -hmm. just kind of paint the picture for people. So Sheen, uh, what is the solution to this? And I think you, you've kind of demonstrated that solution pretty good. Yeah, well, I, I gave I gave uh, Austin a, a few options. Um, so the first one, which I've kind of gravitated towards myself with smaller telescopes, is just to not use heavy eyepieces. And I know that that is kind of a sarcastic, or may, maybe viewed as a bit of a sarcastic uh, response. Um, but uh, the little telescopes are hard to balance with big eyepieces, like you said, like the thirty-one Nagler is a, uh, is a real beast. So anyway, that's one option, but not a great option because then you lose your wide fields. So let's ignore that one. Uh, another one that I've done is, is just buy a, a much longer dovetail than what I need. So yep. like on my 76 millimeter, I originally had like a four inch or a three inch dovetail on there. Yeah. And then when I started to have balance issues, I put a seven inch dovetail on, but mounted it so that I could have as much of that rail as close to the focuser as possible. Yeah. So then what that allows is I can move the telescope forward in the mount. Um, and then that gets uh, a balance point closer to center, which is yeah. really what you're, 
you know, you're trying to achieve here. So, so that's probably the, the most cost-effective and simplest way of trying to combat this. However, you still like, depending on how heavy that eyepiece is, you still may not balance it that way. Mm -hmm. So what I did, um, you can get some, uh, Vixen dovetail bars that have like a center channel in them. Uh, I think ADM has one. I think it's the universal is what they call it. The universal Vixen dovetail. So it's meant that it can attach to like a, any number of rings and it doesn't matter the, like the bolt pattern or anything like that. But what this, uh, what this dovetail enables me to do is because there's a sliding channel, I put in a little, I don't know, it's probably like a one pound weight, or maybe it's a two pound weight. Mm -hmm. um, and I can slide this weight up and down the dovetail bar, which allows me to um, sort of enhance its effect on the overall balance. So if I'm using a real heavy eyepiece, I will slide this counterbalance weight um, kind of down that dovetail bar. And then that uh, helps to counterbalance my heavy eyepieces, or in my case, my bino viewer was the real issue. Um, so when I do that, it, it, it does work. Now it's, uh, it's probably the cheapest way to go. The, the other thing I've talked about on the podcast, uh, in the past is that sky T mount, mm -hmm. um, because it's a, a dual mount, um, and, and that sky T also has some real interesting or unique, I guess, counterbalance options. Um, I would use the, the, uh, the one side of the mount that didn't have a telescope, I would put the counterbalance weight on there. And, and anyway, the way you can sort of orient the axis of that, uh, of the, uh, the second side of the mount, it, you, like it, it can move independent of, of the entire mount. I was able to arrange it in a way that I was counterbalancing the telescope, um, with heavy eyepieces or again, binocular. viewer. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's what I replied with. Do you have anything else that you'd want to throw into that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think that you've come up with, or that that's a really good solution. I, I know that we were looking at some of those, uh, independently online on cloudy nights. There's, there were some good threads, um, because we both have run into that when we were putting together those, uh, 50 millimeter, mm -hmm. uh, Borg scopes. And, you know, it kind of surprised me because I've run into it with my ST80. I've run into it with my TAC uh, FS60. I mean, these are not rare instruments. These are, you know, widely used telescopes. And uh, it seemed odd to me anyway that uh, so few people had, had talked about how to uh, get those in balance using like a little weight system. Uh, like you came up with. And uh, yeah, so one thing I did, this this put me over the edges. I had a, I don't use the Teleview 31 Nagler, which, you know, uh, admittedly is a very heavy eyepiece, like Shane mm -hmm. was saying. Um, but the, uh, I was using the wide scan type uh, two or three or whatever it is, which is a 30 millimeter, two inch, weighs around 20 odd ounces. And for a long time, I've been debating getting the Masiyama, uh, 32 millimeter, which is basically the same updated eyepiece, but it, it was several ounces lighter. And, uh, now that's a pretty good, decent, uh, two inch eyepiece. I know, um, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. I, I tend to be one of those people that really like it. I always like my wide scan three, even though it was like a hundred dollar eyepiece or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but by kind of sticking to a, uh, a lighter weight eyepiece, maybe an eyepiece that that isn't of the the same quality as as a Nagler, um, but still of pretty decent quality. Um, I was able to to get into balance and and have those super wide fields um, 
of you. So that that's kind of what I did. But have you tried your APM 30 millimeter flat field? And because that's a pretty light eyepiece too, isn't that around the 20 ounce range or something? Oh, it's considerably lighter than um, yeah than the 31 Nagler. I'll just look up the weight here. Uh, I have tried it. Um, I haven't tried it in anything small. Like I haven't used it in the 50 mil. I've used it in the 76 millimeter. Um, it's a wonderful, mm. it's a wonderful eyepiece. Like I think, I don't know, we'll see how, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, this year, like when, when I really start using it, cause I bought it like kind of towards the, the end of fall. So I just, I haven't had a great opportunity to use it, Yeah, but, um, it might end up replacing my 31 Nagler just because of the the weight, you know, it's not quite as wide, but it, it's a beautiful eyepiece. Uh, it, it weighs 556 grams. Um, so that, you know, what would that translate into about a, maybe a pound? Uh, I don't know. I'm Googling it. Uh, yeah. Like almost 20 ounces. Like I said, I was pretty sure yeah. it was about 20 ounces. So yeah, like a pound and a half or almost two pounds, but whatever. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's a nice weight. Yeah, I think mine is uh, a couple ounces, like an ounce lighter or something like that. But that's that's a fine weight, you know. That's all good. Yeah, it it's be. it's about half the weight of the thirty-one Nagler. So the thirty-one Nagler is nine hundred ninety-eight grams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty close to half the weight. Yeah, I find anything much heavier. Like I have the Pentax forty. I think it's like about twenty-five ounces, and I find that starts to feel like a monster in my eyepiece mm-hmm. kit. And, uh, that is also another reason why, uh, I've got the, the mass Yama that I, w- I was using the wide scan three quite a, quite a bit. I, I really like that eyepiece and, uh, you know, old, old glass. It was, it was really like a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff kind of thing. And, you know, kind of getting, getting on old, old, uh, you know, poor quality coatings and that. So, you know, kind of put me over the top to get the mass Yama, which is a few ounces lighter and has the modern coatings and, I think it's essentially the same eyepiece, but honestly, you know, even though the correction is more or less the same, I think the Massiama is just, it's, you know, Massiama is a, is a really high-end company, I, I think anyway, from what I gather. And I think they've kind of just tweaked it a little bit. So I know the performance is just a little bit better. And then the, uh, the coatings are so much better that, you know, it's, it's like adding an inch of aperture to my telescope when I use it. So yeah, it's a nice eyepiece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, your Masuyama, I, I haven't looked through yet and quite, uh, I'm very excited to see it and, and, uh, yeah, just see how it looks in your telescope. Yeah. And keep in mind, I am using it in the, um, uh, Borg 50 millimeter F5 and yes, it's crazy on the edge. It's not great. Um, but in like the, uh, tax 7.4 F 7.400 millimeter, um, yeah, it's, it's quite nice. And a lot of it comes down to like the, the inability of an inexpensive or, you know, uh, low element eyepiece to, uh, accommodate the field curvature inherent in a doublet refractor uh, design that that's really what you're battling against there that, uh, the teleview has, uh, has very well, uh, accommodated for in, in their eyepieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah. Do you want to read the, the last email here? Uh, sure. Um, Speaking of eyepieces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think this one's from Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Charlie replied to my prodding about the Stellina. Oh, no, no, that's, 
here, I'll read this. Uh, Peter says, uh, hi, Chris and Shane. I especially like the presentation about Hydra this week. Uh, Peter says, I just got news today that my uh, Takahashi FC100DZ has arrived in Houston and will be shipped to me probably next week. So the time has come to get some eyepieces worthy of it. Uh, Chris has said a lot of good things about the Pentax XWs. I really like the constant 20 millimeter eye relief across the range. I thought about maybe starting with 40 millimeter, 10 millimeter and 3.5 millimeter. And he also says I have a two inch Barlow, uh, which is the 2.5 X Celestron Luminos, as well as two one and a quarter inch Barlows, the Celestron 2X and 3X XLs um, with the XWs on sale right now. Uh, he's pretty interested. So what do you, what do you think? What do you think of that uh, range there, Shane? Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a, uh, uh, you know, pretty, a pretty darn good range. I can't remember the focal length of the DZ. Is it eight? So hundred, 800, 800. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that that's pretty decent spread. I, I may want, you know, I may want something around that 20 millimeter, 25 millimeter range. Um, but, uh, there's, there's nothing, I guess the Barlow is his Barlow a two inch. It's a, yeah, it's a two inch. So he's going to get, um, what's that? It's like 20 or no, it's going to be like 15 or something like that. Oh, yeah. well, is that going to be one, two, four, eight, 16. Yeah. So he's going to get 16, um, uh, millimeters out of that 40, but I got to admit, I don't like my, I have the 40 Pentax. I don't like it in, in my two inch parlor though. Too, too much eyepiece <laughs> yeah 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 uh I, I i like that he's getting a, a nice high-powered eyepiece at three and a half millimeter because that telescope will certainly take all the power that he can throw at it so so yeah i think that's awesome and uh you know he referenced that the uh, xws or, or some of the xws anyway are on sale right now so yeah good opportunity to to get into them um do you how did the do you have the 14 and the 20 don't you i do and those are I think kind of regarded as, um, especially in fast telescopes that they're, they're maybe the, the weakest ones in the, in the lineup. How do, how do they do in a longer, uh, refractor? They're, they're okay. Um, I end up buying the 21st. So I've had it the longest out of all the XWs because I got it, um, so inexpensively and, you know, I, I don't use it as much. Like I find that's just a power I don't use very often anyway. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's okay. It's, it is right on axis though. It's super sharp. And I think it's almost like the 14 and the 20, like in my uneducated view, it's almost like they're missing an element, like a lens flattener or something. Um, but their light throughput is tremendous. So if you're like really trying to see something, they put through a lot of light, whereas the edge of the field isn't as well corrected. So this is a bit of a trade-off there. The 14 um, I think the 14 is pretty decent. Um, and the other thing is for the price, right? Like these eyepieces are, uh, are fairly, uh, reasonably priced. I like in comparison to most other things that are out there. Um, yeah, they're, they're a bit large and, but they're so well constructed. Um, you just get a beautifully constructed, um, you know, well-built eyepiece. And, uh, yeah, I think the 20 is, is a bit of a laggard. The 14 is is pretty good. The 10 is awesome. The seven is awesome. Mm. The, the five is great. The 3.5 is is I think 
among my favorites. So um, the 40 is, is amazing. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I've never looked through a 30. Um, I've heard that again, it's, uh, it's got some, some challenges, which is a bit to swallow because I think it's pretty expensive too. Um, I gotta admit though, you know, like the 40, I think would be great. Um, one of the challenges you run into, like you were saying, like, it'd be nice to have something with a little bit higher power, but I do like to have that ultimate low power widest field. And I think the 40, um, handily does that, but, uh, you know, I really use my, uh, doctor 12.5 millimeter, uh, like a ton in my 740 millimeter focal length, four inch. It's, that's just a beautiful, uh, power 60 X is a great, great power for observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is a, that is a nice magnification. And, you know, with the recent, uh, price increases of, well, I think almost every eyepiece out there, um, whether it's like, I think the Morpheus's went up, uh, certainly explore scientific, uh, uh, they had increases. The fact that these Pentex XWs are on sale for like $349 Canadian, um, yeah. like it, it, it is one of the better bargains. If you're looking for like a really good wide field eyepiece with good eye relief, um, yeah. you know, they used to be one of the most expensive ones out there and they've sort of frozen their price for the last decade, I want to say. <laughs> and now they're, you know, probably one of the better bargains because everything else has increased. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're tremendous. And I bought my, I bought the five just to round up my set the last time, uh, they went on sale. Um, yeah, I gotta admit though, that, um, I know it's a tough pill to swallow because the doctor 12 and a half is, is so expensive at uh, whatever it is like $900 in American dollars. I, I didn't pay that for it because strangely enough, the way they seem to operate is they, they have it on back order forever and they produce a ton of them and they sell them. And then it's like, they don't want them sitting around. So they'll slash the price. And so you can get it for more like ethos pricing. A um, little bit more than ethos, but not like not significantly. And so uh, it had gone on sale, and I and I picked one up. Um, and you know, I'll tell you, that's that was the best decision ever made for my eyepiece collection because it just made things so much simpler. Um, because the you know, um, I always wasn't as much of a fan. You can go back in the podcast and hear this. I was never as much of a fan of borrowing until I started borrowing that, uh, doctor. And, and I kind of had to borrow it because, um, you know, I'd be taking it out. I'm like, I got to get the most out of this eyepiece. It was a lot of money. And so I started borrowing it and up buying some extra Barlow's for it. And so I think like a 12 and a half doctor, even though it's really expensive, um, you know, you put that in your, in your 2.5, uh, Barlow. And I think that what gives you like, uh, well, that's one, two, three, four, that gives you like a five millimeter, um, you know, so you get a five millimeter doctor and then you've got the 12 and a half and then you've got your 40. Um, well, that's a range that you can probably get by with on most nights, you know, like that, that, that set of, uh, you know, kind of three, uh, magnifications. Plus you could put the, the 40 in, in the Barlow, although, like I said, I, I don't care for that combination very much. Um, but somebody else might, uh, might differ. And then, uh, yeah, you know, you, you could, you could throw it in a two X. I put my, uh, 12 and a half doctor in the 1.6 Nikon. And that is just a, a beautiful, beautiful combination. And really what I observe with most of the time is my Massey or the Pentax 40 kind of coin toss there, which one I take out. And then, um, I have the 12 and a half doctor and the seven millimeter, um, Pentax. 
And then I have uh, a couple Barlow's, uh, usually like the 1.6 Barlow and then uh, kind of swap, swap them around. But like with 1.6 Barlow, I've got like an eight millimeter doctor. So um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I went with the, uh, the five millimeter Pentax so that I could have the, uh, yeah, a whole variety of different, different powers you can kind of pick, but I, I, I kind of base everything around the doctor because that just has such a beautiful, beautiful, uh, field of view and, and magnification in, in these small telescopes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and I was reading, I was up last night, I was reading that, uh, Dr. is considering, uh, building another couple eyepieces. Apparently the first cool. one is going to be an 18 millimeter. Okay. Which will have a 26 millimeter field stop. And, uh, so that'd be interesting. 84 degree field of view. And, uh, apparently that's going to be first. And then the next one is going to be either an eight or a nine. And they were posting this in the Clyde Knights forums and everybody was saying that it should be a nine and not an eight. Um, I disagree. I, I think probably what they're going to do is hopefully what they would do is um, use that like a, basically a 1.6 magnifying factor and uh, get it down to an eight millimeter. That would be pretty cool because um, it really seems to work well with, uh, with a 1.6 Barlow, I've got a couple 1.6s and that seems to be a sweet spot for that eyepiece. And so I kind of hope that they, they go for that and not for the nine millimeter, like people were asking for. And then the other, yeah, the 18, I feel like that would be an eyepiece I would own. That would be a really, really nice eyepiece and an 18 millimeter. I definitely have a hole in my, in my set for, for that. Cause it'd be nice. I would, I would probably own the 18. I don't know if I would own the higher power one, but, um, you know, I have my 32, 18, 12 and a half, and then, uh, 1.6 and two X Barlow and whatever. Um, that's, that's a really, really nice setup, I think. So yeah, that would be, that would be where I would go with it. If they ever put it out, I know they've talked about this for years and years, but hopefully we see that 18 um, before too long. And I would be an owner, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it maintains like the 18 millimeter eye relief and wide field, I'd be very interested in that too. Yeah. If it was a similar build quality and everything, okay. uh, boy, that would be, uh, that would just be such a great eyepiece to own. I just really like the uh, 12 and a half so, so much, but it does make you wonder, did like, was, was it by design or coincidence or what did they kind of just really, you know, is the 12 and a half millimeter, like the Heinz ketchup of of eyepieces, right? I mean, it's just really difficult to believe how great that eyepiece is. Um, you know, when you get in, in the telescope, uh, it's expensive. Yeah. But it's like one eyepiece that you can throw a couple Barlow's at and, uh, it really feel like you've, you've got a nice, a nice uh, range of powers there. Like you don't really feel like you want more. And in fact, like I said, I probably wouldn't even own the eight millimeter or nine millimeter that they came out with. I just would continue to use my Nikon, um, Barlow with it. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even bother going with that. Um, yeah, maybe you could do the same with, with the 18, if, if it's just as good, you know, you could get by with, uh, you know, uh, maybe like a four X power meet or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. Lot, lots right. of options. Yeah. I guess we should, uh, cut this off here. Uh, anything else to add, Shane? Nope. That's it. All right. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe in your podcatching software. We're always excited to receive observing reports and emails to actualastronomy at gmail.com. And if you want, always happy to receive uh, Patreon support as well. 
Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.